Hi, I'm Caroline Carey, and you know, I'm always inspired by other people's life stories. So I listen for the soul journey that is interwoven between each individual's experiences throughout their life. Join me to hear for yourself how each narrative becomes a transformative and inspiring message for us all. Enjoy the podcasts. I felt quite an affinity with Suzette's artwork. Something magical about it and very inspiring. I wanted to know more about what inspired her and what the story was behind it, where it had come from. We had a great conversation and uh, yeah, if you if you haven't seen Suzette's artwork as yet, take a look at her website and maybe while you're listening to this podcast, you might like to look at some of the paintings just to get an idea of what it was we were talking about, because I found it quite fascinating. I, I was just looking at your website and um, I'm enthralled, I have to say. I read some of your journey and um, some of the artwork that you've done is, ext- I mean, it's it's like galaxies. It's like looking into galaxies and, and just otherworldly stuff. Really. Thank you. <laughs> well, it, it's um, it's interesting you say that because <clears throat> that's that's the body, the creation beings that I work through, with through my practice as an artist. Um, and I have two practices. One is my work as a painter and the other one is I teach something called visual medicine. Visual medicine images are much smaller, but they, they're they a kind of interface between worlds. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, it's there. So I'll just show you, this is a, from a deck of cards. But um, so I teach, teach people in groups about sort of um, in some way pulling through these images, but allowing the communication um, to, to kind of come through onto the page. Yeah. So you were born in Australia. I am. Yeah. yeah. And you're living in the UK. I've been living here for um, sort of, well, like nearly, like nearly 40, no, 35 years because I lived in the States and also in Italy for a while. So, but I, I mean, it's interesting because all my, my parents, my grandparents' names are all names of place from this country, these islands. So um, I feel very Australian, but I also feel my ancestral connection to this land, even though it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's not an easy connection. I think it's to do with like um, migration. Like my dad was an immigrant to Australia when he was six. And my mother was like the seventh generation Australian. And I think it's a story of um, sort of ambivalence that migrants carry, that there's a way in which um, you live between worlds, even if you you don't particularly identify with that as your story. But I I think there's something where um, I think my father felt English, but he lived in Australia, you know, past six years, his whole life but somehow also ended up being between worlds. So um, 
I, I feel very Australian. I feel deeply resonant to the land. And yet I know some of my story needed to be picked up in this country. Um, and my son is, is English and my, um, my wife is Israeli. And so it's sort of, it feels like that, that sort of, um, I don't know that my, the story of migration, which is a story of, you know, many centuries where people live not very close to where they were born. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I went to Ireland for 17 years, so I have a, a, a little bit of an experience of living elsewhere. Um, nothing like what you describe, but I, I get a sense of that, that living between worlds. Yeah. I, I remember getting to a point where I, thought, I, I have to go home. Right. Home now. And that was really strong for me. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I had to do it. Right. Where, where do you live now? I live in East Sussex in Hastings. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it here. We're on a hill. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. it's a very special place. Yeah. Right. I feel that the land here. Although yeah. I was born in Birmingham, and that's a very different landscape. Yeah. Yeah. But I love it yeah. as well. So you started quite young with your art? You I did. I did. I, I started painting when I was 12. And um, I've written quite a lot about the experience that I had. Um, I It was my first art class. And um, my high school art teacher was called Mrs. Eve. And she initiated me into painting in this way, which was really a bit like an invocation, which was, she said, make a pattern. And um, out of that, I I think I, it was like, um, it was like a cosmic switch went off and she gave the class some wax crayons to make a pattern onto paper. And then we sort of put paint over the wax crayons. And what happened was I, I felt like, um in seeing the paint the the wax crayon shine through the paint I had what I think was my first kind of spiritual experience in paint which was the sense of this shimmering what was covered up now changed by the paint and the wax coming through the paint was it was like a conversation that's never stopped for me and um I've often used beeswax in my work as a as a painter and um sort of the whole very deeply kind of embodied experience of really a communion but also the sense of a conversation of something coming through the paint to me and um, in that conversation I felt what was communicated to me was that I would never be covered up that my soul would never be covered up no matter what happened and that was kind of retrospectively I understood that but it was kind of like a physical encounter with, with paint. I I do experience in my work as a painter that paint itself is a medium, but I am a medium through which paint speaks um, through me. Um, I'd love you to tell me how you felt when you saw my paintings. Prior to meeting you, I I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I've seen your paintings on Facebook um, and I just thought I'll go into the website and I'll sit here for a while and just peruse and have a look. And I got quite lost in the paintings. I was I was in some other galaxies or something, and and it was enthralling. I, I was um, mesmerized by them, and I do, that doesn't often happen to me with paintings. 
um, occasionally they do. My mother-in-law's, my mother-in-law Brenda, who painted our oracle cards, and uh, some of my sister-in-law's work. They're, they're very personal to me. I know the people, and somehow that seems to make a difference. But we don't know each other so well. So looking at your paintings, I just went, oh, it was like I knew you. <clears throat> and there was something really ancient, ancient, ancient in them that I, I resonated with. Thank you. I, I feel really appreciative that you were so moved by that. And but I think what you're resonating with is that in my practice as a painter, um, which has been a really long journey getting to this, this work was I, what my, what my practice is really about is communing with um, the creation Davis, mm -hmm. the, the, the pattern Davis that hold the patterns that, um, underpin the worlds. So although now my practice over many years, I've been painting for over 50, 53 years now, has evolved into that. And um, I, the work that I, you know, in the last 20 years I've been doing is really about forming relationships with these voices that um, the coherent patterns that hold the worlds in place. So it doesn't surprise me that you recognize the patterns that I'm working with because the patterns are patterns of um, sort of dust and soil patterns of weather, weather systems, um, rock patterns or certain patterns that come from place. Um, so how I see my work as a, as a painter really is a bit like I see it as oracular and I see my work as a painter as seership. Um, and I don't work with uh, necessarily, you know, sort of certainly beings and faces come through the works, but I'm working with patterns that sometimes I think can only be seen from outer space or seen through a, a microscope or a telescope. Um, and I see that now after many, many, you know, decades that um, the, the kinds of beings that, that, that come through my work onto the canvas or onto the page uh, are beings that are expressing their support for us in this dimension, that they're actually um, in conversation with us um, because they're offering sort of to, to speak about the ways in which the worlds are held together through their bodies. Um, and I see my work as a kind of bridge and channel but also I'm not, I'm not a blank vessel. I'm absolutely actively engaged in relationship with them. Um, and the more I enter into these relationships, I think the more powerful my work becomes um, because it becomes more uh, sort of, becomes more um, sort of deep in conversation with them. I'm more able to, sort of express and navigate with the currents that they're bringing through. Um, and at no point do I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I'm, a, I'm in an experiencing realm with them. Um, so the, the work I've been doing recently has been working with um, a collection of beings through salt. And I call that, that work, um, our bodies are the periodic table. And that, sort of what they seem to be bringing through. I mean, they're extraordinary, extraordinary paintings. I, I mean, I can say that because I don't really feel 
they're mine. They feel like they're talking about the cellular and chemical dimensions of how our bodies are structured. But when you look into them, what you see is just exquisite beauty and um, a little bit like looking at snowflakes under the microscope. Every single millimeter is different and exuding a communication. Um, and that's, that's what has called me in the last 20 years in my practice as an artist, that relationship. Um, wow, this is, I mean, I, I'm feeling a bit speechless, actually, like just <laughs> listening to this. It's like my mind is expanding. I'm like, wow. Um, but I've got to think of some questions. <laughs> I think what we're talking about is being on the same in the same realm like your work is around medicine um, soul medicine and yeah. I think I would never have chosen to do this consciously but right. my work as an artist because I see it as direct relationship of working with the creator and creator energies that's how my practice as a painter has evolved and I think in some way, it's a bit like, you know, feeling called as a medicine person. You're, you're called into that as part of your vocation. It's part of your voice. Yeah, um, yeah, and absolutely. yeah, and I feel very moved by it. I feel very sort of, um, feel very both grateful and humbled um, and curious, like, um, and also sort of struggling to find words and concepts and ways of talking about that those relationships that you know give them a frame um give them a context and give them a place to exist in the world of course yeah well that, that's quite incredible and i i really do relate to what you're saying about it just coming through you like almost like you have no choice you know i can always remember thinking i just need to get an ordinary job um, you know just something that pays the bills you know what can I do but it just there wasn't a choice for me in the soul work that I do in the dance and the connection to spirit it it was just yeah accept this or you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, know yeah, I, I really get that it's 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 not really channeling is it but it's direct relationship yes and I think that's the beautiful thing that or one of the aspects of the relationship, it's not channeling in that sense of empty, being an empty vessel. I, I, mm. I mean, I am utterly, utterly myself um, yeah. and all my experiences are part of that relationship. But I think um, over time I've developed protocols, I call them ways of working with the creation beings, but they're really pattern beings. They're, beings that underpin our cell structure and they're beings that um that are in every living and non-living human non-human organism in this dimension and beyond um and they i think that one of the reasons I, I i don't fully understand their conversation with me um and one of their instructions is to not try and narrativize the relationship because it's a way of you know kind of truncating their communication right. um so it's more like the protocols i use are ways of developing techniques and processes that allow their voices to come through more articulately 
Mm. Um, so I use um, I, I use lots of different creative tools to allow the flow to kind of flow through onto the page where I'm not intervening, but my energy is in relationship with their energy. So together we're creating with these dimensions. Um, nice. So you said earlier on that your first art class was yeah. at 12. Yes. What happened in all those years? You know, what was your life about before 12? Um, well, I'll, I'll just say a little bit about the first art class because that was really, that was the beginning of me becoming creatively awake. Um, my first art teacher, whom I really want to name, her name was Mrs. Eve, Mrs. Priscilla Eve. And she sort of incantated a spell, which was make a pattern. And um, our whole art class had some big, thick, waxy crayons. I scribbled a pattern onto some, you know, kind of butcher paper. Um, then we put acrylic paint over the top. And in that sort of um, incantation, make a pattern, what came through was the wax crayon um, that shone through the acrylic paint as it dried. And somehow that interweaving of these two, the top and the bottom, created this amazing interworld, which has been the, my fascination as an artist from the very beginning, because I think in a way it's representative of a kind of shamanic state of the, the kind of in-betweens or the edges or, you know, the sort of, but it's more the in-between worlds where, where there's the possibility of liminal states and um, connecting with other dimensions. So even though I didn't know that, um, as a 12 year old it's been part of my practice as a as an as a painter um, and carried through my I trained as a, a body psychotherapist um, at the Chiron Centre in London which is also was you know could you could see it as a shamanic practice it was very embodied um, work we did a lot of breathing did a lot of physical work in the training um, to become a psychotherapist it was somatic you know what you call somatic psychotherapy now it was and it was you know decades ahead of its time so I did that um, I was a DJ in Rome for a few years um, <laughs> I worked as a in a hospice in London Lighthouse for five years doing massage with um, people with HIV and AIDS um, I ran my own handmade clothes company for about seven years. I made material, handmade material. Um, but all through that, my work as a painter kind of ran underneath whatever I needed to do in order to have a living, make a living. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's been a very twisted and, you know, kind of twisted, a snaky path, let's put it that way. It hasn't been a straight line at all. Um, and then about 20 years ago, I had another um, profound awakening, which, um, which developed into visual medicine, which is the practice, the painting practice that I teach, um, which is using the same principles of letting 
a voice speak through the painting or connecting with voices that then come through the paintings. Um, and again, they're undirected, they're unintentioned, and they're a way of connecting, you could say, with one's own unconscious or, or you know, a bigger unconscious of anima mundi or um, other dimensions. And when, you know, certainly working with now, you know, many, many people, that it's it's a way of tapping into sort of our own vast consciousness, but the consciousness that sits in the body of the world. Well, it's fascinating. You're definitely a woman of many talents. So you, you've turned your hand to all kinds of opportunities, it sounds like. Um, and all survival strategies, Kate. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Well, but all very creative in that sense. Yes. So were you always a creative child? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that um, I grew up in a grocery shop and my parents were um, worked all the time. And um, I have three brothers and we all worked in the, the shop and there was a lot of expectation. Um, you know, we ran it as a family Um so, you know, in the morning before we went to school, my, one of my jobs was sweeping the shop and, um, you know, stacking shelves. And so in that sense, you know, we, there were very big expectations on us. Um, but in another way, that relationship to the materiality of the world, like, um, you know, sweeping and cleaning and stacking and, um putting things out and, you know, sort of making milkshakes and cleaning and, you know, was all, was all kind of the way in which I think my relationship to my hands became embodied. Um, and so I think that was really part of my whole family's um, kind of root system into the world. And, um, you know, and, you know, when I look back, my dad used to do all the mechanics of his car you know he'd change the oil and he'd do the brakes and things that people used to do mm. you know 60 70 years ago mm. um without thinking about it my mother used to make all our clothes and um so you know kind of patterns of connection to resources patterns of connection to the material world was certainly embedded in my body because you pick them up mimetically, you learn them from your parents. Um, and in that way, yes, I think I was very creative. Um, and it was at a certain point, I think when I entered um, sort of puberty, it was like a hormone switch went off and it was like, I could not stop making things. I, you know, I made candles, I would get, people's shoelaces my father's shoelaces out of his shoes and use them as the wick I would tie-dye everything including you know bed sheets I would use my mother's saucepans to create dye baths and um so you know I would I'm you know was not against cutting up other people's clothes in order to make embroidery patches so it, it's like you were popular <laughs> <laughs> yes sorry but I think what was really amazing about my mother um was that she was completely at one with making a mess Ooh, and there was never any sense of 
you shouldn't do that or no don't use my saucepans it was a bit like um for some reason even though she didn't see the point of painting she saw the point of making and she understood that drive to in some way um I think it's intimacy you know that a kind of soulful intimacy with the material body of the world and I think that's what I I feel very connected to in my soul life I haven't ever heard anybody say that that their mother was um she didn't mind mess or, you know making a mess I mean that, that's just unheard of isn't it but that's a really amazing quality that she held and and that must have been really beneficial to you and your brothers on some level I think her capacity to not see it as mess it was it was like I think she saw the pattern underneath which was a desire and um and I think she wasn't afraid of messy relationships she wasn't afraid of mess in a particular way and I do see that as a kind of a bit like um being bitten by the snake it's like yeah. I think that she and I really I feel that as I'm very good at clearing up but I'm also I'm not going to withhold myself from yeah. giving myself in order to to make something and that involves creating mess yeah and was she creative I, I think in her way exceptionally creative she was um she was very resourceful and um you know she she made all our clothes she would knit and sew but she was also a home renovator she taught herself how to hang wallpaper how to tile how to paint how to sand I mean it's like um she didn't like cooking cakes, but she absolutely had a relationship with materiality, mm. which she imbued everybody. In fact, everybody who came into her orbit, I think, absorbed some of her relationship to the material as an expression of the body of the mother. Wow. Oh, she sounds wonderful. Gosh. And, and so you, did were you living sort of in a town or in the countryside or what I want to get a picture of where yeah. you were living so I um I where I I was born on in sort of the northern New South Wales um and we lived we moved around quite a lot with my father's work and then when I was about I think four we moved down from the north coast to Sydney and that's when my parents got a grocery store in the suburbs of Sydney but where we lived, which was, um, again, I think the, the name of our street was called Mary Street. And it was a dead end. And at the bottom of our road um, was like acres and acres of bush that, you know, and bush in Australia, when it's not being developed, is it's like there was a creek with yabbies, like with crayfish and snakes and spiders. And um, it was real, alive, pulsing um, with you know like there was a wallaby down there and um sort of it was awesome it was an awesome place to have experiences with the land and scary um because also I mean I was little but it was there were parts of this acres and acres of bush that felt like you could be you know literally somewhere that you you wouldn't be found um and to have that at the bottom of your street was really an extraordinary um, 
encounter, daily encounter with um, the particular land spirits that, that live in Australia. Of course, yeah. And then so that those landscapes must have given you some some inspiration for your paintings now, would they have done? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, they, those early encounters, I, I think, um, really live in my body. And um, I feel a deep connection to, um, it's a bit like to Australian land. And it feels a bit like, even though I haven't lived in Australia for a long time now, it I just have to look inside my body and there they, all the colours are there, all the light, all the um, the rocks and the heat live inside of me. And mm. um, and I feel that is an incredible resource to have installed inside of me. Of course, yeah. I have a granddaughter who lives in Australia and, and although I've never been there myself, it does somehow gives me that connection. So I love wow. to hear about. Yeah, yeah. And, and things. So what age were you when you came to the UK? So when I, I first came when I was 11, because my parents, um, I, we sold the grocery shop and um, we came to, my parents wanted to buy a puppy. So we came to live in Yorkshire and it was really tough. I mean, we had run around with no shoes on and, you know, kind of singlets and shorts. And um, the north of Yorkshire was just like the most dire place um, you know, we, we live with my aunt and uncle in Scorby and they did have an inside toilet, but just, um, and it was, it was like going from a world where you just, you know, my mother would open the door and we would just be on the streets, you know, playing with friends and a whole other kind of, um, life without warmth. Um, it was really, it was awful. So that didn't last that long. So I went back to live in Australia. Um, but as an adult, I've been here since I was 27. So, okay. And, and that was your choice to come here. And, and what inspired that? Um, I, we're going really into my history. I was uh, 27. I had been living in Italy for about uh, two and a half or three years. And I had a, um, I had a psychic opening um that was very connected to I had a psychotic breakdown when I was 21 um and it took a very very long time to recover my kind of sort of my neural stability and like many decades after that actually um and when I was 27 I had a really big psychic sort of um awakening and opening um and I thought I will either have to go back and live in Australia because I'm really struggling or I will come to um the UK to look at training as a psychic and so I I came first to London and began my training um at the College of Psychic Studies which really was not the right training for me and I met somebody there who suggested I train as a psychotherapist and that was much more true to where I was um, and who I am actually so and during those those probably those five years of training um, 
I, I was very like, should I be here? Should I go back to Australia? What do I want to do? And um, I ended up having my son um, when I was 35. And that sort of secured in some way the sense of living here and putting down sort of more kind of, you know, roots that really grew on into the ground. So, um, yes, <laughs> never want to make a, a decision that like, I'm going to do this it, it sort of evolved and right. yeah, here I am so when you were going through that breakdown and that those difficult times what what did you lean into to support you during that time was there any creativity or you know, what what was your solution um I was very I, I I at that stage I'd already I had trained as a, as a painter at, at art school when I was 21 um and and so I had a practice of making things as an artist. So I, I painted, um, I painted when I was living in Italy and, um, you know, I was very into making diaries and small pieces of work. And so I never, once I kind of opened that portal, it, it I never stopped making things. Um, so painting was definitely one of the things I leaned into, but I was also a member of a 12 step program um, and that really helped me. That was in some way, that was my bones, my infrastructure psychically was to get sober mm -hmm. and um, to sort of learn a kind of um, prayer practice and to learn how to begin that practice of both telling my story and listening to other people's stories. Yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Wow. Gosh. So, yeah, all of this accumulation of, of moving and traveling and maintaining your creativity and you know, where has it brought you to today? Would you say, what's your main offering now? Um, I love that question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, I feel um, very strongly and I always have since I had my first breakdown at 21 that I knew I wanted to create um, a painting practice that allowed anyone and everyone to connect with their artist with um, and I knew from that age that I when I painted something happened inside my body and in my sort of emotions that was both relieving but also connecting um I felt that voice that I first heard when I was 12 that something or somebody was speaking to me and I felt I want to find a way of making this an offering or a practice that I can share with other people um and even though I did many other things in order for that to happen including training as a psychotherapist um about 22 years ago, um, I created a practice called visual medicine. Um, but when I say I created it, that's not how it came into being. It came, came into being as a prayer and more a kind of rage, like, help me. Um, and out of that, um, I was running a group for uh, people with the artist's way at work. And I had this realization that you cannot tell somebody to be creative or be more creative if if you can't show someone like you know kind of in some way carry them through the portal they can't get it and 
I knew the difference because I know, I knew I, and I know I can cross the threshold at will. And so what my petition was, was show me how to do that. Help me do that with other people. And um, visual medicine over kind of a number of years became a creative spiritual practice. And um, that is what I offer people. That's what I teach. It's a, a practice that literally is dipping wet watercolor paper into acrylic paint. Um, but what comes through are these extraordinary universal patterns um, alongside of um, ways of connecting with the ancestors um, and also interdimensional pattern beings. And because I teach it as a practice, I'm, I'm teaching it as a kind of a communion and commu communication with um, oraculi with um, both parts of ourselves that want to speak to us, but also parts of the the earth body and the multi-dimensional bodies that want to speak to us. And so over the last um, 20 years, visual medicine is going into kind of like as, alongside of um, being an extremely accessible painting technique. It's also a way of kind of leaning into um, having conversations with, um, yeah, other, other, you know, other dimensions, other parts of us and um, things that just want to pop through to um, psychologically be in communication with us. So I teach, uh, I teach a number of groups. Um, one is painting with the universe using visual medicine. And another one that I'm about to start um, in the next few months is painting with the dead. Um, and another group I run is Soul Compass, which is a way of using visual medicine as an oracular practice. Wow. So. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, so when people come to you, I mean, do they just come and there's paper and paints and that sort of thing? Or is there something else that you do? Is it is there a um, process? I run my courses now all on Zoom, which is really interesting. Um, so I work with people all over the world. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like a visual medicine is a gobsmackingly simple process, um, but it's the absolute antithesis of um, decoration. It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, I'm just thinking about a group I ran recently where one of the people had almost not left their house for five years and um, because of a, a very, very profound bereavement. And through the process of her work with me um, and visual medicine, it was like she got in touch with almost like the dimension outside her house. And she entered into a very deep relationship with the world outside the walls in which she had um, sort of been living within so it it's like visual medicine holds these it's like being in a conversation with your psyche and things that you may have seen as being very um, difficult or toxic even turn into something where like a painting you suddenly see another side to something so it's this exquisitely gentle um, creative conversation 
that allows us to find parts of ourselves that we may have left behind or we may have never been in relationship with. And my work as the facilitator or the conductor of the groups is to really help people to find, to understand the communication and to teach the skills that allow that communication to become a resource. Beautiful. Wow. Wow. What a blessing. Cool. I'd love to do some of that. I'd love you too. <laughs> I think I think you'd really get um, what it is actually totally. So, so you're meeting people on Zoom, so obviously they've got to have all their own paints and paper and all their own. Yeah, paints. yeah, yeah. So, so and and so that happens regularly. Is that a... it? It does. I um, so I run painting with the universe um, probably four or five times a year. It's only five weeks. Um, but then it begins a cycle of practice where you might do painting with the universe or painting with the multiverse or you might do painting with the dead um, and then you might go on to train as a visual medicine facilitator um, but all the time what I'm really um, wanting to transmit is that hidden within the body of the world are these patterns and these patterns are not just the things we look at, they're actually communication systems. So my work really is about, is about holding an energetic coherence with these systems. Um, and I really want to emphasize, it's not like, um, I think it's not like I know, I don't. I, all I know is how to open the portals to hold the energetic frame to allow the conversation to happen. Um, but over time, what I've come to understand is that these patterns, when we attune to them, when we can listen to them, bring forward um, the resources that we need for the next century. They're bringing forward um, coherence and communications that we have not, we've either forgotten or we didn't learn, but I think we forgot. Right. Yeah. Um, so they're bringing through dimensions of, you know, coherence. Um, they're bringing through dimensions of flow. They're di they're bringing through dimensions of liberation and um, sort of um, systems of teaching and learning hidden within the body of the world. Mm. Oh, it's quite profound. Oh, very profound for Tuesday afternoon. It feels like um, it's funny, like a woman, one of my groups who's really beautiful, she said, I feel like I have a whole group of friends I didn't have in the paintings. It's like the paintings become soul friends. They become allies that you can speak with and they become voices that you didn't even know you heard until you allowed them to speak to you. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of painting. I do a lot of listening. Do a lot of lying on the the couch, um, and um, I also do a lot of writing because yes. I see part of my task as about trying to find ways of communicating these dimensions yes. and making them accessible. Nice. So, do do you sell paintings? And I I do, but um um. I haven't, I, I show my work for my studio. I also have, um, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of paintings. Wow. Um, 
and a lot of them a lot of them you know anybody who makes work you know releases it into the world by binning it anybody um I have I just have a lot of work so but some of it is part of an archive that I want to um sort of curate in a way because it's a conversation with these dimensions that um I think want to have a voice in the world um and I don't show my work commercially although I would like to okay. um and that's my next my next task is to step outside my studio what, what would that mean for you to share it commercially um it would mean contacting some galleries <laughs> um and I think that one of the things that um we're talking about is because this is really this is work that I think needed to be I, I didn't feel confident about it until the last probably five years or so um and I feel now that I understand much more what it is um and in some way because painting is my spirit teacher as well I don't think I was I think I needed to do some really deep inner work around um, being trained in sort of non-extractive learning and teaching with my spirit teacher painting, mm. because it's very easy to monetize what you do and to in some way um, then lose the thread of the spiritual practice that you are being trained in. Right, I get that. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that's also been part of my path, but um, that some of the work I've been doing has needed to be held not in a commercial way. So I've had ways of supporting myself that were not necessarily through my practice, ways of supporting myself and being supported right. by other people. Right, right. So that's enabled you to be able to yeah. with what yeah. you're most passionate about, which you clearly do, mm. um, and, and develop it. Because that's the thing. Yes. Sometimes yeah. we follow these passions, we follow what we love doing, but whether we can really develop it and really go as deep as we possibly can with something. Yes. It's a whole other story. Totally. Sometimes totally. we don't get the opportunity to do that. No, not at all. And you have, and that's wonderful. And the psychotherapy, are you still engaged with that? Is that is that part of the work now? Um, it's very, very much part of my work and how I teach, and particularly the psyche therapy aspect of it. Um, but I also do see psychotherapy clients as well. But they they are very long standing, and um, I don't tend to take therapy clients like that anymore. I take people through visual journeys um, and working with people in that way um, because I, I think that the work that I feel very sort of almost uniquely skilled for is really bringing through the language of the psyche through images and through this lexicon of, um, that is wanting to make itself known. And I really see that as my work. And as, you know, we're getting older, I'm, you know, like, I hope I have many, you know, a number of decades left. But I think 
I want to concentrate my work on landing this work into the world, making sure it has a root system that can then support it and other people can teach it, um, speak it, um, use it because it's a way of tapping into a much more, like, it, it's a kind of a, it's a way of tapping into a creative part of our brain that I think is needs to be activated for us to survive. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, that there's been a lack of it, a huge lack of it. Yes. And yeah. Part of that is the education systems and how young children are brought into mm -hmm. the world. They, yeah. Totally missing. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is it that you would say to people? who are very new to this kind of work or maybe even new to painting, but they just mm -hmm. sense, oh, you know, Suzette's got something here that I, I, I want, that I need, um, but they're not necessarily painters. What would you, what would be your message for them? Um, I absolutely love working with people who are not painters. I think that um, some of my most difficult clients have been people who've been already trained. Mm. Um because what visual medicine is about is about not being unpreconceived. Mm. It's a way of entering a relationship in the present that allows the relationship to speak, not you or not it, but it's in the space between. So, um, so when I've worked with people who've been trained in painting or art making, often there's a lot to unlearn in order to have an unpreconceived relationship with the material voice of, of the work. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have an experience of painting or if you come as an injured painter or because many people have been injured by the exact same things that you, I think are alluding to in the education system, um, visual medicine is a healing tool. So it, it brings people through the part where they were blocked or felt they had to disown a certain amount of fearness, fierceness or fear or um, power or, you know, flow or messiness. It, it's, it's a kind of, um, it's a bit like taking a homeopathic remedy. It gives you something that then allows you to reset your neural pathways. Right. right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that reminds me of, you know, with, with offering the dance. You know, mm -hmm. who are trained in dance who come to do the yes. the soul work yes. They offer. yes it's much harder than um to work with them quite often yeah is for people who, who haven't you know haven't trained or or just there because of the love of dance or whatever um, yes it's a very different thing it's it's like there's a layer to remove i think yeah saying there's something to let go of in order to let something different mm. through, something new come through mm, get absolutely caught up in how things should look and how they should be and performance and mm -hmm. those sorts of things hey mm. i think that absolutely works um when you've had a training in painting or mm. art making that you're 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 always guess second guessing the language you know and mm truly we don't know what wants to come through we, you know it's a messaging system it you know it, it's like we literally do not know what wants to be communicated so is there anything else that you feel is really important for our listeners to hear 
from you because you you've given us so much information here and such a, a, a such a wonderful language and and visual that that I, I'm I'm getting a real sense of I'm a very kinesthetic mm. and so I feel things in my body immensely and I'm really feeling what it is you're sharing with us here mm. is there anything else that you you any any inspirations in particular that you've taken from the world that you bring through um wow i i I think that one of the things i feel about my work um is that um and this started happening really early on when i um first went to art school i feel like what painting as my spirit teacher has given me is um taken me back to the beginning of time um and i'm not using that lightly it's like you know, I too am very kinesthetic and feel like um, what I've understood is that painting is, it's like partnering with creation itself. Um, and visual medicine is actually, you know, a mini practice of that. It's a, but when I'm working in my own practice as a painter, what, what I feel has been part of my journey is um, going back to the moment when the earth you know, when we came into being and that painting has been this incredible non-linear journey um, where I've had encounters with the, you know, the first moments of creation where um, I I have a whole series of paintings called um, The Beginning of the Beginning When the Stars Awoke and they came through as um, a whole body of work they're quite big, like two meters by a meter and a half um, on canvas, beeswax canvas, and also on huge giant watercolor paper. And they were completely and utterly um, surprising. And but they they were like the moment when the stars burst into life. And then I've had nonlinear encounters with. Um, being, you know, kind of one of the early cave painters. And what I have taken from those those possibilities that come forward through painting is that within the creative mind that we all share, because at these levels we're talking about we are one mind, those, you know, everybody who's ever existed has a common ancestor. And that ancestor is dust or salt or you know is one chemical um and there is a possibility of re-meeting these beings and um and that's really surprising to me because I didn't start off with that idea it's just come through to me um in letting painting be my spirit practice and my spirit teacher um love that you call your painting that way I suppose I would call the dance my spirit teacher yes never use that expression but it it's true it is it's the place I go to to really connect yes and then to write the experiences Mm -hmm. um I'm a doodler I I yeah I've done a lot of painting in the past not so much now but I love it and my and my mother-in-law she passed away sadly last year but She's left this whole studio full of paints and wow, isn't beautiful. I just just love being in there. Mm-hmm. 
can feel myself being so drawn to all yeah. this. Um, and yeah, there's something so magical about creativity. Mm. Mm. We so need it and our children need it. Totally, totally. And I um, I think that one of the things about, um, I've done a little bit of work with children, but much more with um, adults and people who are in very marginal states, you know, whether they've been um, sort of emotionally on the brink or sort of women coming out of prison. Um, but common to everybody is the that when you can help somebody open the portal, the resources that lie on the other side are immense and, and you know, kind of infinite, but that it's not that, those resources are not calibrated through training as an artist or, you know, they are, they are completely, they're generative, generous, additive, infinite, um, and, and they're there for us all. And this is, you know, part of our birthright to connect with creation as a being, as a relationship. Wow, that is profound. Well, Suzette, this, this has been extraordinary. I'm, I'm so happy we connected me too very much and, um, yeah I, I think our listeners are going to really love what you have mm. here and um, we're going to put all your details in the thank you Caroline inside this uh, so people can because because they really need to come and have a look at your painting yeah no please do <laughs> have a look at Suzette's website yeah because it, it is so interesting mm. um, I really recommend that so we'll make sure the details are there mm, thank you Thank you. I really hope we'll connect. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. Some point. Yeah. Really. yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mm. Thank you so much. I really feel I'm going to take some of this out into to the rest of my day. And oh, wow. <laughs> really, yeah, just just be with it and inspire mm. me through the rest of my day. It's, mm. it's been very special. So mm. thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's a, thank you so much for inviting me. I really loved talking to you. And I really appreciate your questions. Wonderful. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.